Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Crafted on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, we've got Danielle and Katie Nichols back on Crafted, and these are the sisters behind Cork, the natural wine shop in Stowe, Vermont. But Cork is also one of the very best restaurants in Stowe, Vermont, and... They also now have a monthly wine club where you can have Katie hand select some of her favorite natural wines and have them sent right to you. So in this conversation, Danielle, Katie and I are talking a bit more about natural wine in general. They offer some pro tips about holiday gift giving and buying. And there's some things I should have thought of in here that they mention. We talk about a couple of the wines that are going to be in the Cork January Wine Club, including two wines from one of my very favorite wineries. And as always, we find ourselves turning down a couple of tangential rabbit holes because it's fun. So if you would like to learn more about Cork or check out their wine club, you can go to corkvt.com. And I have a hunch that this could be a really good way for some of you to get into this natural wine world and see what you think of it. So again, just head over to corkvt.com. This episode of Crafted is presented by our Blister Craft Collective, which is a growing collection of exceptional companies across a number of craft categories. They are some of our very favorite brands out there, and they support the independent work we do here at Blister. We are huge fans of these companies, We would love for you to take a look, give them a try, and I have a strong suspicion that a number of these companies are going to become some of your favorites too. So you can check out the link in the show notes to this episode for the Blister Craft Collective. You can also find the Craft Collective on our website. So check it out. Lots of good options for holiday gift buying, including perhaps a subscription to the Cork Wine Club. So check that out. And now enjoy my conversation with Danielle and Katie Nichols. Here we go. Well, Katie and Danielle, I am very happy to have you back on Crafted. Let's start with just an update on how things are going at Cork. Things are going great. We are getting ready for the holiday season, but still waiting for the snow to hit the ground. But yeah, we're just kind of prepping for that holiday rush. We've got maybe another week. Is that right? I would have thought it's, we're recording this on December 12th. I would have thought maybe as wine distributors, you would have already been in the holiday rush, but you're still expecting the the sort of tidal wave to come, huh? Yeah, we're more waiting for the tourism to hit. We did a, um, we did a tasting with some of our local customers back in November, which was great to kind of prep for the Thanksgiving time and, um, and for the holidays for, um, for December. But yeah, with no snow on the ground right now, it's been a little quiet. So things are a little shaky out there in Vermont currently on the snow front. Danielle, 
Yeah. You haven't even skied yet this season. It's very depressing for me. Are you going to come see us in Crested Butte? this year. Can't do it. I know. (sighs) That's a terrible decision. I know. Um, I'm very disappointed. I think we'll make it back next winter, but can't pull it off this year. Well, what a depressing start to this entire yeah. conversation. Um, we, we really need to. Wine. We really need to take it. Take it. Yeah, let's, we better start talking about wine. Okay. Well, the last time we had you on, you were kind of like actually really truly introducing us to this whole world of natural wine that certainly was quite new to me, and I think still quite new to a lot of people. So. While everyone should go back and listen to that conversation, because you both dropped a whole lot of good knowledge in that one, give us a, a shorter version of what is natural wine? Is that the same as organic wine? Why do we care at all? The floor is yours. So um, natural wine is basically focusing For what we do in our program, we're focusing on um, wines that are organic or biodynamically farmed with minimal intervention, Um, predominantly smaller family-owned wineries. um, But organic is strictly an agricultural process. So when I say minimal intervention, we're really focusing on wines that have little to no additives in them. And that's in the the winemaking process. So once they get those organic grapes into the winemaking facility they can actually still add a ton of chemicals to those wines. So while you may be drinking organic wine, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not um, free of all sorts of other additives in the wine. And remind us like why we should care about these additives or why winemakers are putting all of these additives in in the first place. That's definitely two great questions. Um, I'm full of them. I'm full of them, Danielle. I know why we care. I mean, I, I, I think personally why we went in this direction with, um, cork and our wine program is we were drinking the wines and we just feel better when we're drinking these wines. Um, they're not really, um, weighing you down. They're not giving you headaches. The alcohol is lower. The sugar levels are lower. Um, so all in all, it's just a cleaner feeling when we drink the wines. I feel like they're, um, they taste less manipulated. You're really getting a much more clean representation of the grape and how it was grown and turned into wine. So I think, I think for us, that really, um, that's really why we committed to natural wine thing. You know, it wasn't necessarily a trend or something different to just do. It was more that we were drinking these wines and we liked the way they tasted and we liked the way we felt when we drank them. Katie? Yeah. I mean, to Danielle's point, those wines um, not only are great to drink, like you don't feel terrible the next day, but you're also kind of supporting small business. And we talk a lot about like, you know, the things that we put in our bodies, you know, it's all this kind of eating healthy and um, self-care marketing over the last, whatever, 15 years, I'd say. And when you have like this 
organic free range chicken and then, you know, your organic vegetables, but then you have a bottle barefoot, it's kind of contradictory um, because there are so many chemicals that can go into wine. They don't regulate it in any way. Um, I believe in the United States, there's 55 chemicals that they can put into your wine. And it can occur throughout every stage of the winemaking process. And so it just kind of compounds on itself. And that's why you get that really gnarly headache. I also think those wines, um, you know, the wines that are very processed and full of those chemicals, you're getting this very sort of generic created product. They are making the same wines in a mass production using um, chemicals to manipulate the wine into exactly the same thing every time, um, where, you know, w- every vintage of every wine we get is different. And that's so fun. It's such a unique thing to try the new vintage of one of your favorite wines and see how different it is and how affected it is by the environment, um, which I think is really fun. Yeah, I'd say um, those commercial wines go back to what we talked in our last series on was Twinkie wines, but these wines, um, you know, especially with climate change these days, every vintage is so different. And we'll talk more about that with um, the Colica Preto wines, which we'll chat about in a little bit and mm. how this last vintage was affected. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, one of the reasons why I like coming back to this so much, and we will continue to have these conversations on crafted is, um, one, I think lots of people just aren't thinking about these things. And two, I like the idea of sort of putting what I would call kind of an appropriate pressure on the wine industry to start moving away from the kind of norm that you all just described very well, right? Where it's not just about trying to produce and replicate the exact same flavor and taste a billion times over. And so if we can get the wine industry to move away from that and educate consumers to not be demanding that exact same consistency, then it seems like we actually start changing a big industry, the broader wine industry for the better. Yeah, I I would I would totally agree. And I, but I would also emphasize putting it on the consumer because we do make so many informed decisions about what we do in our day to day lives. You know, I just, we were just chatting earlier about coffee and, um, you know, just the, the choices we make in the grocery store and the things that we consume. Um, why aren't we questioning all other aspects, you know, the, the face products we use or the chicken we eat or the coffee we drink. The same goes for wine and beer and all these other things. And so why are the people that are so committed to organic eating or healthy living or, you know, try exercise and all this stuff, then going and picking a bottle of whatever yellowtail off the shelf, you know, and, and thinking that, um, that's a quality bottle of wine. It's also really interesting to kind of look at the, um, the agricultural part of this, because when you start to get into, you know, vineyards that have been heavily dosed with pesticides and herbicides, you're really 
pulling all of the nutrients from that land. So no matter what, you're not going to make a quality product. So you're starting out with something that's um, flawed to begin with. And then, you know, thinking about like, okay, where are those chemicals running off to? And where are they going to? Are they going to drinking sources? And it's all interrelated, you know. Um, so Isabel Legeron, who hosts the Raw Wine Fair, was talking about growing up in Cognac and, you know, how her, I believe it was her grandparents, did everything all naturally. And then I think the industrialization of the area set in with her parents' generation. And then her father wound up dying of lung cancer when he never smoked a cigarette in the day in the day of his life. So it's just kind of interesting to see those effects. And the the pesticides that they use, you know, that Roundup, any of those kinds of things, they're they're killing good pests too. Like there are good and bad pests, and you know, in biodynamic farming, they're introducing or creating, um, you know pest biodiversity among the vineyards so that they have good bugs that are bringing in pollinators and different other, you know, ground cover and, um, you know, different things that enable those grapes to grow. That also, you know, causes the roots to go deeper into the ground so they don't have to um, irrigate those vines. You know, they they are creating a healthy ecosystem for all of those pests and plants and vines so that everything grows um, healthily together. Yeah, they're, um, the main focus is polyculture instead of monoculture. Yeah, and we've talked quite a bit on our Blister podcast. We've done series on regenerative farming and the rest, and it's it's great because I think a decent number of people are like, yes, yes, regenerative farming. But then when it does come to the wine aisle, that's just some different category. And as you two have said, we're just kind of grabbing anything or whatever off the shelf. So it's, I think, appropriate to be expanding this conversation. It's like, yeah, wine's agriculture too. Absolutely. And just, as you said, Danielle, just helping all of us to keep remembering like, these things are expansive and where it all matters. And so if you're having that conversation about regenerative farming and then you're just grabbing whatever cheap bottle of whatever off the shelf, you might want to better understand the reach of all of these things. Um, Yeah. And that's obviously just the tip of the iceberg. You know, there's, there's so much to talk about on the farming side of it. And on the winemaking side of it, um, but, you know, in a very loose kind of overview of it, um, I think that the, the methods that those winemakers that we represent are using are a lot more holistic in every capacity. Let's talk about holiday gift help. You, I was talking with you two and you raised some interesting thoughts on this that I was like, well, that is just good and useful. And, and I, I should have started on this process already. Um, but maybe it's not too late for me. Um, so as wine distributors and you're also restaurant owners, we've talked about this too. Um, talk a little bit about 
your thoughts since it sort of tis the season. Lots of people are looking for gifts uh, in various capacities. What tips do you have for us? So I get a lot of people that come in and they're trying to buy a gift, but they don't know what their recipient likes to drink. So basically, um, kind of going back to what Danielle's point about, you know, wine that tastes the same all of the time. People have these preconceived notions about Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And so my biggest piece of advice is to always go and give somebody something that they don't know or may not know. That's why we carry so many obscure varieties is kind of riffing off of what somebody may like and giving them a totally different style that they have no judgment on yet. Yeah. And I think, um, kind of gearing up for the holidays when you're going and you're trying to buy a hostess gift or you have a holiday party to go to. Um, you know, I always tell people that pick a budget that you're comfortable with. That's reasonable that you're, you know, happy to bring a bottle to someone's house and maybe get six of them or 12 of them, depending on how busy your social calendar looks like over the next few weeks. Um, because that way you don't have to stop every time you're going to a place The you know, when we set, sell 12 bottles of wine, we give a 10% discount. Um, then you know that when you're going to a party or a dinner, then, um, you bring a hostess gift or a bottle of wine to share. And then at least you can drink some good wine while you're at that party in case that rest of the wine there is not so good. Really, you know, trying to think ahead and instead of buying a bottle at a time um, or a different bottle every time, just buying, you know, sticking with something consistent um, that you like that fits into that price point. You can get six bottles or a case or maybe six of one thing and six of another um, just to switch it up a bit. But And then, you know, again, uh, I always try to encourage people that are just sort of newly diving into this to find a small wine shop that carries natural wine and then to stick with some of those bigger name importers that are more popular um, and widely known across the country. Um, you know, Selectio Natural, Kermit Lynch, um, Louis Dresner, those, those are always labeled on the back of the bottle. Um, so even if you don't have somebody helping you, if you kind of seek those names out, you definitely... Um, are sure to be getting some good wine. Um, okay, hang on just a second. Because this is actually not something I've really ever done. You are saying that, again, if people are like, okay, this fucking natural wine thing, I don't know what this is. Maybe I hate all this stuff. Who knows? I need to try it. You're saying that you trust certain importers. If people are new to this and you know nobody wants to like buy something and then they can't stand it, Certain importers, you're saying if you're finding bottles from them on a shelf somewhere, they have sort of already done some selection work. Yes, 100%. And there's a bigger degree of confidence maybe somebody might have who's new to the game and hasn't figured out what particular wineries they already really like and feel passionate about. Can you say those importers again, just as a starting point? Yeah, so... um Definitely, because if you are finding those importers, those importers are purely bringing natural wines from various parts of the world into the United States. So 
So um, Louis Dresner is one. Kermit Lynch is another one. Selectio Natural, they're all Italian. Um, Zev Rovine. These are all importers in the United States that their labels will be somewhere on the back of a bottle. Um, and, you know, that way you can kind of go into a wine shop and seek out the importer and a price point um, and maybe a varietal or region or country or whatever um, and kind of trust that those bottles that you're going to be getting are going to fall in line with what you're trying to accomplish. So I think to Danielle's point too, um, price point is a big factor. A lot of people come in and they talk about, or they're concerned that natural wine is going to be expensive. And I don't sell people on wine until I know what their budget is. It's just how I operate. And, you know, our wines start on the shelf at $13 a bottle and they are some of the most clean and pure wines, um, on that from Kermit, yeah, Lynch. from Kermit, from yeah. um, wine traditions, from all sorts of importers. Um, there's some great stuff in that range, um, and so I think that is a barrier that people don't realize they can kind of leap over because it really is just in line with your regular price point that you would see in the grocery store, if not cheaper in some ways. Yeah, I mean a bottle, a bottle of Mayomi Pinot Noir, the Cab Drinkers Pinot is like, I think it's 25 bucks at the grocery store here. And I sell Folk Machine Pinot Noir from Kenny over at Hobo Wine Company. And that is 23 a bottle. And it's remained at that price for, I want to say at least five years. Huh. I think it's a great point because people hearing this, and it is kind of weird. I think we do this in general. It's like, oh, if this is the cleaner, less commercially made stuff not made in you know at nearly the same scale and is you know there isn't the vast amount of quantities of this stuff out there then this is going to get expensive real fast and i probably can't afford natural wine and when i was in your shop i guess the last two times going through the shelves it's absolutely not true and in fact they're really i didn't actually see any like quite expensive bottles of wine even available. No, we do a handful of fancier wines, I'd say maybe between 80 and 100, but that's like Champagne and Amarone and Barbaresco. You know, they're they're expensive um kind of more prestigious winemaking regions but the quality is there as well, but it's really not our clientele. We, we try to stick to uh, like in between 20 and 35, I'd say the medium uh, median average has definitely gone up a little bit because of the taxes and the shipping costs these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, point is don't like literally don't rule this out or assume that this whole genre we're talking about is beyond your price point because you guys were saying on your shelves, $13 is kind of the the low end. And then there's a whole lot of options in the what, 20 to 30. Yeah. 20 price to 30 point? is the bulk of our inventory. Okay. And I'd say we probably have, that's probably 150 labels in our shop. Let's talk about the cork wine club. Um, this is something that, 
we have been talking a bit about, I love the idea of this because I love hearing the way you guys talk about wine and the like, and you have introduced me to some companies that I like very much. Uh, so give us the update on the Cork Wine Club. Where are we at in terms of the logistics, yada, yada? Yeah, so our website is turned over to kind of our new format for Wine Club. Um, basically, you can buy in for two bottles a month starting at $49, and then you'll get anywhere from three to four bottles for $120. Um, and it's a monthly shipment. You can either pick up locally or we can ship across the U.S. Okay. Or if I put in an order, Danielle will then drive it out to Crested Butte and then we'll actually ski together and get her. How big Delivery. does my order have no, to be? I fly, How, I fly with that stuff. I just pack it in my luggage. Okay. How it's big does my order have to be to actually get you out here for skiing this season? Oh, maybe it'll happen. Okay. We could talk about it. I'm just going to wear you. Depends on how bad the snow is here. I'm just going to wear really, you down on this yeah. front. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, if you were smart, you'd come out to the Blister Summit with a selection. Oh, we talked about that. I know we did. And then yeah, you started rudely at the top of this conversation about how you weren't coming to Crested Butte this year. I forgot about the Blister Summit. Okay. That's a work trip. Uh, when is that? Leverage. Different. It's February 12th through the 16th. Everybody's going to be here. Fun. You should go. That would be awesome. Okay. We're back in the game. We're back husband. in the game. Okay. 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 We can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, you got to. But I'm going to talk to you about which wines are, you're going to get beforehand. <laughs> okay, I like this. This was a very good development in this yeah. conversation. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll circle back on that one uh, later. But okay, so again, the Cork Wine Club, you're running two sort of tiers. There's a forty nine dollar. Yeah, so um, forty nine dollars um, is roughly like two twenty five dollar bottles on the shelf, um, and then. The 120 gives us the room to kind of include a little bit more of that fine and rare selection or the, you know, higher end stuff that we get access to that not everybody would just buy off the shelf. Um, yeah. So I think it's a great opportunity to try some of those higher end wines. Okay. And I guess at this point, again, we're recording on December 12th. The next wine club shipment will be the January edition what do we call it the january shipment the january edition do we have a thing january edition i've picked like most the of the wines um but i'm still pulling together a couple more okay what do you have so far so far we're gonna focus on the Cole capretta wines which you mm. know and love yeah um these wines come from umbria in italy um from the southern part of umbria and it's from the Mattioli family. They've actually been um, in the area just outside of Spoleto since the 1100s. Um, and they have about eight hectares total. They have two hectares of olive groves, two of farro and other grains, and then four of indigenous old vines. Um, it's a pretty beautiful state. Danielle and I got to visit there in 2018. And they have about three generations living all inside this like compound. Um, yeah. So Vittorio was doing all the winemaking and now his daughter, Annalisa, who's probably in her mid thirties is taking over the winemaking. So we are going to show the Cole Capretta Lautizio, which is a hundred percent Chile Giolo. 
translates roughly to little cherries, um, which you tasted the last time you were here. Um, and then the Rosa de Tabla, which is their entry level Sangiovese, 100% Sangiovese. Um, and we got two cases of each wine, and that was all we got in the state. So I have them all. I have it all. Um, but, you know, the reason being, they actually had a pretty uh, rough couple of harvests um, due to high drought and high heat. So there really was um, very little wine made for the last couple of vintages. Uh, yeah, it was an incredible visit. Uh, we showed up as a big group and there was a huge long table set on the stone uh, patio between two of the buildings. There was a gentleman there hand slicing prosciutto. Um, we went in to wine tasting and there's bags of torn bread and um, fresh ricotta made, sheep milk ricotta made that morning in the little village. Um, and they have a huge vat of olive oil from their property that you can just open the spigot and pour onto a plate and dip the bread into it. Um, and then wherever we went in Italy, of course, for every single visit, which was several per day, you are served an incredible spread of food. They make handmade pasta and there's vegetables and cheeses and of course tons of wine flowing it's just such a cool experience so we had um um Annalisa's mom made strozzapreti is that yeah. what it was called yeah strozzapreti um, it means the strangled oh. priest right yeah. strangled priest yeah i can't remember uh, why but yeah. i do remember that part it's it was incredible so, wait um, i'm sorry what about a strangled priest i'm gonna have to look it up <laughs> You strangle a pr- you eat the po- you strangle a priest a then eat the pasta. Yeah, it's a type of pasta. It's such a cool experience, though. They're they have these hilarious um, with a geese. Was that a goose? Oh yeah, Gregario. Che- Gregario. We have videos Chase of him. Strozapretti. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Priest troker or priest strangler are an elongated form of cavatelli or hand-rolled pasta, typical of Emilia-Romagna, Tuscany, Umbria. Yeah. Huh. It's really good. Pretty tasty. Okay. I'm in. It was a great, it was a great experience. I think, I think that's the just side note on all of this is, um, you know, for us, we, these connections are such a huge part of why we're so into these wines um, you're in this incredible place experiencing these amazing people and their their livelihood is is this their way of life is the 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 wines they make and the food that they eat and the family process that is all part of it is it's just this unbelievable connection and we maintain those connections we keep in touch with these these winemakers and families and um, Annalisa had a baby right when you did, Katie. Right? Um, I think she had one uh, a year or two before me, but yeah, I remember when they told us she was pregnant. Um, so it's just such a cool connection, and to to put those wines in people's glasses or to send them home with them, and to be able to tell that story, it it's it doesn't even matter what kind of grape it is. It's just you tell the story, and people are like, "Well, I'll take that. That sounds so fun." 
Yeah, and that's one of the really fun things about this crafted podcast. And uh, I mean, again, sort of products and their makers is too often it does seem like we see the product on the shelves or we order something online and we really know almost nothing about who made it or how it was made and the rest. And being able to kind of connect these dots all the way through, um, maybe in our world where sort of everything on earth is available online or something like that. This feels like it is a way to bring it back and really identify individuals and learn about their processes and the like in a way that um, maybe that's why I like this so much. It I hadn't really thought about this too much previously, but it does kind of reconnect like in a way we're more connected than ever before. And that somehow can lead to being more disconnected than ever before because we used to just be stuck to whoever was in you know a say a 10 mile radius of wherever you have to live and then you'd know that winemaker or that shoe maker etc well now we have the whole world at our fingertips but we tend to know a lot less about the who well, and, and I, the why and the how and i think in this you know kind of day and age it's so easy to just jump to the newest, shiniest thing, you know, especially with social media. It's so easy to kind of overlook this level of quality because of something that, you know, performs on TikTok or performs on social media. But where is the, you know, information to back it up? And where is the um, clout, you know, I'd say, um, I was writing about wines for this coming month, just some holiday wines that I pitched to some clients. And I was kind of relating, you know, what we do towards, uh, to, um, like a jewelry store or an art gallery, like you're picking and choosing these artisans to represent. And it's completely subjective, right? Like my palette's completely different from my clients. And, you know, we, only have so many labels that we can put on the shelf, but I stand behind all of these wines that I put on the shelf. And it really is like me kind of putting us and our reputation on the line because we have to be able to stand behind those client, those wines and know that like what I'm putting in my client's hand is what they want. So yes, in some, there's a whole lot of connecting of the dots going on. And so the natural wine making process in general, we have a product that gets tied back to a couple of individuals living on a plot of land. And then what you all are doing at Cork is then further curating these things for those of us who don't live in this world. And um, hence the tasting process and your reputation is on the line uh, to go line up some of these small manufacturers to those of us who live uh, fairly far away. Yeah. And just one step further to that, I would say is because we make those connections, we really trust in the products that we put on the shelves. So, you know, finding the wines that our customers are looking for, it makes our job easier because we are so connected to so many of these wines, you know, and, but then to pick the particular wines that, are specific to the customer's needs, you know, that's, that also plays into that part. But, um, you know, those connections and 
that experience that we've had with so many of these winemakers really, really solidifies that. So you've told us about a couple of the bottles of wine that will be in the January wine club. Few more to be named. Yeah. Get to work, Katie. Get yeah. back to work. <laughs> um, Got to let you get off this podcast. And then tell us a little bit more about what's happening at Cork right now in terms of gift guides or, or gift subscriptions. If people want to give the gift of the Cork Wine Club, that's an option. Let us know where we're living and what's available. Yeah. Yeah. So we just added the gift subscription. Um, you can do a three, six or 12 month subscription. Um, and that's rolling. So you could sign up, sign up at any point. And then, um, through our website, there's a whole like holiday gift guide that includes, you know, our, our gift cards and our cork merchandise. We have branded corksicles. Um, branded corksicles. Yes. Yes. They have, um, our Vermont symbol on them with a little wine glass and they are great for holiday gifts and hanging out by the fire keep things hot, keep things cold. Corksicles. I need to get me. We have a lot of olive oil too from a lot of those amazing Italian producers, Mm. um, which is really fun. Get your wine, get your olive oil, get your corksicles. Yeah. It's a one-stop shop. So folks, check it out. The Cork Wine Club. Um, I think it is a great way to dive into this world of natural wines and see what you think. Um, So... And we have come to trust these two to put some good things in our glass. And uh, by the way, thank you. I, you guys know I just got back from Italy. And so some of the recommendations you all were able to give. And we'll save it for another conversation. But I, I definitely met one of my new favorite people in the world, um, Arnaldo. That's all we'll say for now, maybe. But um, that was fantastic. And uh So I appreciate you connecting some of the dots for me and bringing me up to speed on this whole natural wine world that you all are involved in. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. And I haven't forgotten, Danielle. We'll we'll leave it off for now, but then we're going to get back to badgering you about Crested Butte in February. So you're not off the hook just yet. I like it. Well, there's no snow here, so I'm chomping at the bit to make some turns. Well, folks, um, the next time you find yourself in Stowe, Vermont, you should definitely stop in at Cork. Um, We didn't even talk about the restaurant part at all, but it's definitely one of the best restaurants in Stowe. I think that's just a fact. Might be the best restaurant in Stowe. That's maybe up to different palates and people's opinions, but um, definitely stop in. And uh, I look forward to the next time I'm there. Can't wait to have you back. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right, folks, talk to you soon. Well, that's it for this edition of Crafted. I want to say thank you to Danielle and Katie for another fun conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon.